is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Did you know the Bible speaks about a better resurrection? And if there's a better resurrection, that tells us a lot. That tells us that there's more than just one resurrection. The Bible tells us that there are at least three resurrections. Now, the question is, what resurrection are you planning on being in? Will you be in the first, the second, the third? I mean, which resurrection are you planning on being in? Now, first of all, let's clarify, what is a resurrection? Well, a resurrection is where dead people come back to life. Now, this should be a great concern for all of us. I know when I was younger, I, the thought, you know, when you're young, you think you are immortal. And the thought, when I was a teenager, never crossed my mind that there were people in hospitals dying, old elderly people, people in old folks' homes that were dying, just waiting to die, getting old. That thought never crossed my mind. But as you get older, you face reality in all its ugliness, and you start thinking about the subject of death. You realize that you're not going to be around forever. Now, in John 12 and verse 32, Jesus said this. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me, or will draw all men unto me. Now, there's a couple ways that we understand this. First of all, if I be lifted up on a cross on a stake, the fact that I'm going to offer salvation, offer forgiveness of sin, that's one of the ways that, that man, that I can be forgiven, the slate can be wiped clean, all of my past mistakes can be forgiven, and then I, then I can receive the Spirit of God and start living in a new way of life that is pleasing to God. Okay, if I be lifted up on this stake, this cross, that's one of the ways it draws all men to Christ. But the second way is, if I be lifted up out of the grave, in other words, resurrected, and that's exactly what happened concerning Jesus Christ. The fact that he was the firstborn from the dead gives us hope. I mean, if he can do it, then that means we can do it. And that is exactly what God promises to his children, that you will live again. Now, in John 11 and verse 24, it says, Martha said to him, I know, this is speaking of his brother, uh, her brother Lazarus, I know he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to him, her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Okay, we're talking about a resurrection when dead people come back to life. Now, think about it. How great is this? Is this? How wonderful is this news that if you die, you can be brought back to a state of living again? I mean, this is great news. Jesus made it abundantly clear. If you believe in him, even though you are going to die, you shall live. I, can, I honestly cannot think of better news than that. I mean, it would be great if, you, if we had billboard signs that said, 
the resurrection, even though you are going to die, you shall live again. That is great news. Now the question is, what resurrection are you going to be in? What resurrection are you planning on being in? Hebrews, 13, uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 35 talks about this better resurrection. It says, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. There's the word, a better resurrection. Now, what is this better resurrection? I mean, if there's a better uh, resurrection, that means there are less resurrections, less and less and less or whatever. But this is the better resurrection. Well, Revelation 20 and verse 6 talks about this better resurrection. It says, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. So the better resurrection is the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the better resurrection is the first resurrection, which tells us what? That there are other resurrections, less of course. Again, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection, on such the second death has no power. So this first resurrection is a resurrection to immortality. Death is no longer an issue. Death no, no longer has any power over us, which in and of itself would be a wonderful thing. Just, just imagine if you didn't have to think about dying. Now again, I know when you're young, you don't think about dying. You think you are immortal. But as you get older, imagine if you didn't have to, it was not even a thought that would enter our head because we didn't have to worry about it. That is the subject of dying. Okay. Death has no, there's the first resurrection. Death has, no longer has any power, okay? And also, but they shall be priests of God and of his Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the better resurrection has its advantages. First of all, it's the first resurrection. Second of all, it involves immortality. Death no longer has any power over you. Third, we shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Okay, so that's the first resurrection. That's the better resurrection. Are you planning on being in that first resurrection? Well, I hope you are. All right, let's talk about the other resurrections that the Bible talks about. John 5 and verse 28. It says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. And this is the better resurrection, the resurrection of life. That's the better resurrection. That's the first resurrection. And they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now this other resurrection we're talking about is a resurrection unto death. In other words, there's nothing good about this resurrection. In other words, the sinner is, is resurrected. He's judged and sentenced to destruction. So believe me, this resurrection of damnation, you know, that, that's, you don't want to be a part of this resurrection. I can guarantee you that. Because if you're a part of this resurrection, the jig is up. It's over for you. Because it's going to be the end of you. But now let's take a look at another resurrection that the Bible speaks of. And we could refer to this as the third resurrection. We could refer to it however you want to refer to it. But the, what I'm saying is, 
there's more. The Bible specifically speaks of at least three resurrections. All right, let's take a look at this other, another resurrection. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. Now, this is often referred to as the valley of dry bones. Now, let's pick up on the story here. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of dry bo of bones. And he caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, they were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. So we're in this valley of dry bones, as far as the eyes can see. And they're just, you know, they're just dead. I mean, and, and the question is, well, can these people, I mean, these bones belong to people at one time. Uh, can they live again? So let's continue the story. Ezekiel 37 and verse 4. And again, he said to me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you of skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now this is a almost, you know, I can only imagine Hollywood doing something to represent this imagery of these bones lying out there and all of a sudden they start to rattle and shake and all of a sudden skin starts to wrap around these bones, sort of a macabre scene, sort of an eerie, scary looking scene where skin starts to wrap around the bones and they, you know, all of a sudden you realize what is being put together is these human, these bones are being brought back to real live human beings, okay? Well, let's continue on. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bone came together, bone to bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. So, so far, we've, all we've got is just these, these carcasses of dead men and women lying all over the place, but they're not living. All right, let's continue on. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from, from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, and an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Now this, 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 is, this is amazing story in Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. You know, this resurrection is for people. I mean, we're talking about the fact that the Bible talks about that there is more than just one resurrection. Well, sure, yeah, I mean, there's the resurrection that everybody knows about when the saints are resurrected. Everybody has heard of that resurrection. And most people have heard the resurrection to damnation where you are destroyed, the sinner is destroyed. But here is another resurrection 
for people who say our hope is lost. We are cut off. And Ezekiel references this to the whole house of Israel and, of course, all the Jews that rejected the Messiah. They're included in this resurrection. Now, do you know of people who have died without Christ? Well, sure you do. You may not want to admit it, but you know a lot of people who just probably didn't give a rip about religion at all. You know a lot of people like that. Well, let's continue reading. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live and I shall place you in your own land and then you shall know that I the Lord have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. You know, the bottom line is this. God was not finished with these people. God had not given up on them. They are not eternally lost. And again, this is referred to the whole house of Israel. Have you ever thought about people, let's say, before the time of Christ? What happens to them? Have you ever thought about people, all the people that was destroyed in the flood? I mean, sure, yeah, okay, there were wicked people. Maybe they, they deserved it. But, you know, there's just a lot of people out there who have lived and died and never really had a chance to know God, to know Jesus as their Savior. Job 14 and verse 14 says this, If a man die, shall he live again? Boy, that's a, a million-dollar question. All right, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come, you shall call and I will answer thee. You will have a desire to the works of your hand. You know, Job understood what a lot of preachers evidently don't understand. That there are a lot of people in the world who have lived and died without hope. They are an unfinished work. And you know, the resurrection is for people like Floyd, Jesse, Jesse McKinn. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of, I'm going to read you a story about Floyd, Jesse McKinn. And uh, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of people out in the world just like him. A friend of mine tells the story about visiting his father-in-law at the uh, graveside of the Chattanooga National Cemetery. I want to just read you his story because it's a fascinating story. It says, there among the crosses and an occasional star of David stands a lonely slab of white marble with only a name, Floyd Jesse McKinn. The monument gives his date and birth and death, but no indication of his religious affiliation or belief system. You see, my father-in-law was not a religious man and he would not have wanted to be hypocritical and pretend that he had lived his life as a Christian. So his wife asked that they not place a cross upon his marker. Now don't get me wrong, Floyd was a decent, hardworking man. He was not particular irreligious or anti-Christian in attitude. He definitely had a moral compass, but he never professed religion as far as I knew. In all the years I knew him, he only entered church for weddings of his daughters and grandchildren. And I can sort of relate to that. 
Before his funeral, I heard someone say something about how they thought Floyd may have had a religious experience sometime in his past when working in the field or on the farm. I don't put much stock in such surmisings. I find people sometimes imagine things or spin events that make them feel better about a deceased loved one. And boy, do they ever, do they ever. But most family and friends seem to accept that Floyd was not a professing Christian, even though they realized that their religious training indicated that dying unaffiliated did not bode well for Floyd on the other side of death's chilly waters. The retired elder, elderly minister that preached his sermon asked my mother-in-law if Floyd was saved. She would not claim that he was. Once the preacher determined that Floyd was lost, he never looked back. Without telling the wife or family, he decided to, to devote the message to a come to Jesus meeting. He never mentioned my father-in-law's name during the sermon, which actually the, the, the sermon ended with an altar call. You see, he was so sure that Floyd was popping and crackling in the fires of hell, he didn't even want to waste any words on him. Then followed the funeral. Following the funeral, the minister did not even attend the graveside ceremony. There, after a few brief flag ceremony and a 21-gun salute, this man, twice wounded in World War II, recipient of the Purple Heart and two Bronze Stars, was laid to rest with no recognition of his service to his country or words of comfort for the family. That's an amazing story, is it not? Now, I want to say a word or two to those preachers who think, who are so sure as hell that people like Floyd are burning in hell. I want to tell you something. You're just ignorant. You just don't know any better is, is the point. Do us a favor. Get out of the ministry. There are, your Bible speaks of multiple resurrections. And it just depends on what resurrection you come up in. The first resurrection, yes, it's for the saints of God, the called of God, the elect of God. And yes, there is a resurrection to damnation. People who are hell-bent on committing evil are going to end up in that resurrection where they are judged and sentenced to be destroyed. But you see, this does not describe Floyd McKinn. And there's, you see, there's a lot of people that God has never called. And after all, Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draw him. So if Jesus was not drawing the person, if the Father was not drawing the person, can you blame the person for not, for being, you know, irreligious or not wanting to associate with church? I mean, can you really blame it? Blame that? If God was never opening the person's eyes, if God was never calling the person, then is the person to blame? I don't think he is. Now, I want to ask you a question. If, is God big enough, if he wants to, to get your attention? Well, sure he is. Now, let me ask you another question. Do you think the best God can do to get your attention is the religion that you see on TV and hear on radio? That that's the best God can do. He can't muster it up anything better than what you see on TV and all the churches and the religion out there. Is that the best God can do? 
You know, I keep a day called Pentecost. And it's one of God's annual holy days. And Pentecost is about, you know, today the holy days of God have been rejected by mainstream churchianity. And Christianity has adopted its own holidays, Christmas, Easter, Halloween. Uh, but what the holy days reveal, especially this holy day Pentecost, is that God is now calling a first fruit. And he's only calling right now a first fruit. A much greater harvest will come later. You see, we have a tendency to believe, to believe that with the New Testament church, God is now calling everyone. And yet Jesus said, no, no man can come to me unless the Father draw him. You see, you can't have a New Testament church that does not acknowledge the Old Testament writings and live by them too. You know, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, all scripture, not just the New Testament, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And you see, the holy days of God reveals that God is now only calling a first fruit to salvation. That does not mean that others are lost. It just means that God hasn't called them at this time. Now let's go back to this lesser resurrection that is spoken of in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37 and in verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. You know, I tell you, what we're talking about here are people who have died without Christ, without being saved. It's what this resurrection is all about. Continuing on, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Now follow this simple logic about this resurrection that we're talking about. This is not the first resurrection. How do we know that? Well, because in this resurrection, they're resurrected back to flesh and blood. The first resurrection, your body is changed from flesh to spirit. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's what your Bible says about the first resurrection. So this is not the first resurrection, nor is this a resurrection to damnation. These people in Ezekiel here are not resurrected and then set on fire. How do we know that? Because God says here, I will put my spirit in you. What does that mean? That means a chance for salvation when God says, I'm going to place my spirit in you. So what have we learned? Well, we've learned that there is a better resurrection where you're going to be given life, the first resurrection, immortality. You're going to be kings and priests, and you're going to reign with Christ for, for, for a thousand years. That's the first resurrection. So there is a better resurrection. Then we've learned that there's another res resurrection. Those who have done evil, the resurrection to damnation or death, okay? And then we learn that there's a, another resurrection, the lesser resurrection, where people who were cut off from God, God wasn't calling them. People that thought our hope was lost. Now, I want to offer you something that is critical for you to have. It's entitled, The Last Great Day. 
when God's master plan will be completed. It says here, untold millions have died without ever having had a chance for salvation. God's seventh and final holy day reveals when and how they will get their day of salvation. You know, I want to tell you something. This is the most beautiful, critical information you can have. It's an intense Bible study. What I love about these Bible studies is that it asks the right questions. And part of learning is asking the right questions. It asks the right questions and then it takes you to the scripture for the answer. So when you're through with this Bible study, you didn't get the answers from a preacher or your church down the street or this religious guru. You got your answer from the Bible. That's what's so powerful about these Bible studies. The last great day. Have you ever heard about the last great day? Have you ever heard any of this stuff I'm telling you? You ever heard it in church? That, that God's not calling everybody right now? Have you ever heard about there's three resurrections? Have you ever heard the Valley of Dry Bones explained like I just explained it? Chances are you have not. You need this. I will send this free of charge, no strings attached. I'm not going to sell your name to a mailing list. I'm not going to beg you for money. You order, the, order this and that's what you'll get. And you'll probably never hear from me again unless you want to correspond. God, when God's master plan will be completed, God has a master plan. Six days shall you labor, but the seventh is the Sabbath. God has allotted mankind 6,000 working years to do his own thing. And then that seventh thousand years will be the, the, the seventh will be the, the return of Jesus Christ to this earth to establish his kingdom on this earth. And then there are seven holy days and each one reveals a little bit about what God is doing through mankind. And we come to this last and final holy days called the last great day that tells us about when God's master plan will be completed. It's a beautiful Bible study and your heart will be blessed beyond your wildest dreams if you order this. Anyway, I'm David Freeman and that's what's really in your Bible. Why have countless millions died without ever having had an opportunity to understand the purpose of life and to be saved? Shocking as it may sound, God does not intend for everyone to understand His truth at this time. If He wanted everyone to understand at this time, everyone would understand. Untold millions have died without ever having had an opportunity for salvation. God's seventh and final holy day reveals when and how they will have their day of salvation. Order your free magazine entitled, The Last Great Day. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.